If you're struggling with alcohol or drugs, Recovery Centers of America can help. RCA's local inpatient and outpatient programs are founded on science and delivered with heart from an expert caring team who will inspire and guide you every step of the way. Call 1-800-941-2358 to speak with a treatment advisor. At RCA, you'll be in a community that builds connections and fosters support from peers and RCA's team of medical professionals. At RCA's state-of-the-art campuses, they tailor your treatment to you and also offer specialized programs for patients with history of trauma or relapse, for young adults, for adults 50+, plus, for LGBTQ patients who wish to seek treatment without worry of stigmas, a confidential program for first responders and military, and a faith-based program. Recovery Centers of America accepts patients 24-7 and is in network with most insurance providers. Don't wait. Call 1-800-941-2358. 800-941-2358. Today on Not Sam Wrestling, we got a couple of things to go over from Friday Night SmackDown Extreme Rules approaches, and we try to answer the age-old question, where on earth is Shayna Baszler? This is Not Sam Wrestling. Introducing your host from New York, here is Sam Roberts. How's everybody doing out there? Hopefully you had a great weekend. Hopefully this is the way you wanted to start your week. I don't know, maybe you got a week off, maybe you're working. Maybe still working from home. Who knows, this world that we live in is a wacky, wacky world, but... If you're a United States listener, I hope you had a good holiday weekend. Hope you had some fun with the fam. Maybe there's somebody's backyard you could be in without a mask on. I don't know. Hopefully. Hopefully you had a good time. Well, welcome. And what a beautiful time it is to be independent. This independent wrestling podcast, not Sam Wrestling. No network here, baby. I mean, you know, as independent as one could be when technically... I work with WWE for Sirius XM. There are corporate overlords involved. Let's not pretend. Let's not fake the funk. But still, I can run this mouth all that I want. Welcome. Welcome. It was a busy holiday weekend for me, that's for sure. So I've been trying to rebuild uh, 1996 and 1997 in my toy room just at some point. Look, and maybe talking about this publicly won't be the best thing, but if you guys are... uh, wrestling action figure collectors than you know. The Hasbro market, the WWF Hasbro market, the action figures that existed from about 1989 until the end of 95 or so have just, I mean, skyrocketed beyond the point of reason. Like, it's over. It's over for Hasbro collectors. If you're thinking about starting restarting your Hasbro collection now, don't bother unless you got Bill Gates funding you because uh you're not going to you're not going to be able to do anything unless you're independently wealthy in a way that I can't even imagine and even if you are I still can't imagine spending that kind of dough on it I was thinking at one point about trying to accumulate a mint on card collection and have allowed that collection to just kind of exist as it is non-complete as you know buying more now in this day and age is insane however When I look at those prices go up, I truly think that it's only a matter of time before uh, the bone-crunching action, Jack's Pacific WWE action figures start to skyrocket as well. They're already going for more money than they used to. 
And I think that it's just a matter of the collectors of those toys getting some cash, some disposable income. You know, I think that's that's going to just continue to happen. With action figures, I think that the markets are just going to continue to blow up as the stuff that you bought as a kid, you get old enough to be able to afford again. You get old enough that you have a, a couple of dollars and you want to start a collection again. So I went through my Jax figures from like 96, 97, and I didn't realize how chewed up they all were because I played with them so much. Even though by then I was like 12, 13, 14, you know, I was still out of control. So uh, I've been rebuying a bunch of them and uh, I made a pretty, pretty good dent. My first project that I'm working on right now is re-getting series one through five. And for the most part, if you're rebuying Jack's bone crunching figures, you really have to buy them in the package and then open them, even if you want them loose, because the joints get loose so quickly. It's really tough to find them loose and in good condition. So you really got to buy them in the package. But I was able to find a whole bunch of them. My series four is complete. I think I'm halfway through series one, about halfway through series three. I got a lot of work to go. I think I only got one or two from series two. So there's still work to be done. Series five is, I'm working on it, but series five is not going to be tough. Series five is, is not the most sought after series right now. Um, but I'm working on that. So I got a ton of figures. I went to like three different stores all over Long Island. Like I drove all the way out there. Uh, and went to like three different stores over the weekend, uh, getting figures from like 96, 97. And then on Friday, I get home and, and paying off, uh, uh, being a part of the WWE elite squad with Mattel paid off in dividends. Cause I had a pile of boxes waiting on my doorstep from Mattel. And they sent me, uh, all the new WWE masters of the universe figures and the Castle Grayskull ring, which is just like the best for anybody that grew up in the late 80s, early 90s playing with figures. Like you, you open these and they basically, because Mattel owns the licenses, they made WWE versions, current day and legend WWE versions of the old He-Man toys. And so like, you know, Mattel sent it to me and I they, they, they made a Castle Grayskull ring with John Cena and Triple H that come with it. And I was able to give that to like my three-year-old son and he opened it up and like you watch this three-year-old play with his ring and these figures for the first time. And you remember like, oh yeah, I forgot. This isn't just about grown-ups, you know, trying to find the best condition figures to put them on the shelf. Like, look at the amount of fun. this He sat there for hours playing with them. I was like, man, this is what it's all about. And then Mattel also sent over the, uh, the new Mr. T figure, which... My son wasn't able to lay one finger on because that is a collector's item. And my God, is it beautiful with the chains and the rings, the fabric camo jacket, the whole thing. He's dressed like uh, he's in his WrestleMania uh, training gear and he comes in like a box that is it looks like an old clamshell VHS case. It's really great. It's so cool. So that was so much fun. Uh just watching it all happen. I can't wait to see what Mattel's got uh, coming up at San Diego Comic-Con. I know we don't end up talking about figures and collectibles that much on this podcast. We mainly just talk about, you know, topical wrestling stuff. But, I mean, 
you come down into the Not Sam Studios and it rains wrestling toys on you when you walk in here. So I just don't ever forget it. There's always some kind of wrestling action figure collection being built in the background as we're podcasting here. Uh, Speaking of podcasting, we also, if you're curious about it, we're not going to spoil the results to the Great American Bash. Um, If we even know, we don't even know for sure if we know the results. Uh, I'm very much looking forward to Wednesday. Last Wednesday was great. I'm looking forward to this Wednesday. Two pay-per-view quality wrestling shows, head-to-head, free cable, Wednesday night. It's just so much fun to live in this era. Um, But there was some controversy because apparently an NXT talent uh, went on his Instagram and Instagrammed out the result to the main event of Great American Bash, which, and there's a whole story behind it, but I mean, I went off on it on my Patreon uh, podcast on, on the Thursday, Not Sam Thursday edition this week for the Not Sam Shills. We went off on it. So, you know, if you're a Not Sam Shill, you know my exact feelings on it. Um, and if you are really curious about it, you can, of course, sign up for less than a dollar a week at patreon.com slash Not Sam Wrestling. Speaking of purchases and money being spent, uh, and it being a good time to be a fan, a lot was made over the weekend of WWE's purchase of Evolve. Evolve, uh, a big independent organization, um, a place where a lot of talent came from. They've been uh, a group that has been in a cooperative relationship with the WWE and NXT specifically for a long time. A lot of talent came from Evolve into NXT. Austin Theory is probably the most recent one, but I mean, a ton of it. Uh, you go and, and I mean, you know, you can go down the list. Malcolm Bivens, Timothy Thatcher, Shane Strickland, uh, you know, you, you, I mean, Swerve Scott, Isaiah Swerve Scott. You go down the list and there's a ton of talent that came from Evolve that ended up in NXT. Um, NXT has also been loaning talent to Evolve. So, you know, they'd have uh, NXT talent at Evolve shows doing autograph signings and stuff like that just to add some star power. Uh, and and keep that organization afloat. Um, I don't know if the inspiration was, look, you know, we look back at, you know, the mid to late 90s and the working relationship that WWE had with ECW where the WWE believed that uh, to keep the industry healthy with smaller organizations that were not competition but were cooperating uh, would become a great source of talent and make it so that it was easy. Um, I don't know if that was the inspiration behind it or if it was just, I have no idea. But I think it's. Uh, I think it could be a good thing. I think that there's a lot to be done with, with having Evolve officially owned by WWE. You know, I don't think that Evolve will continue to exist as it did. So for people who are Evolve fans, that's the bummer. The plus side is we saw the one Evolve special on the WWE Network. I think that the the Evolve special is what led to Austin Theory getting signed by WWE, showing up on NXT and getting fast-tracked right to the main roster. Uh, I think that we will, as fans, the reason we will benefit as fans is because I think that uh, Evolve will be the first separate promotion to be available on WWE Network. I think that that is probably definitely where this is going, assuming WWE owns the tape library, which I can't imagine they would buy Evolve and not buy the tape library. I think that Evolve will probably be the first organization 
that ends up on WWE Network that is not an official WWE product, which is something that a lot of fans are waiting for. I think that uh, that there's a lot to be done there. Just because WWE now, their roster, has such a history outside of WWE. You know, I think there was a time when TNA's tape library, for example, would not serve to benefit WWE at all. Why, why would you bother? But over the past few years, if you look at WWE Network specials, they've licensed out TNA footage many times for many different specials. And if you look at the talent they've brought in, a lot of the talent they brought in, the main uh, uh, history on national television in the United States comes from Impact and TNA. You know, you look at AJ Styles, you look at Samoa Joe, you look at guys like that and you realize, oh, you know, even Jeff Jarrett. If you want to really tell the story of Jeff Jarrett, having TNA's tape library is really important. And I think that Impact is in the position where they could sell not only the tape library, but the intellectual property of TNA. You know, you can call it TNA. The fact that they're now known as Impact what if they sold the TNA portion of it? You know, every now and then they do those like uh, retro shows. Sure. But what if they just stopped doing that? What if they said, uh, WWE, you can you can have TNA and you can have our first, you know, however many years of tape library and we will keep impact. You can't have impact. The name Impact Wrestling stays with us. And, you know, the because because Impact Wrestling if you look at Impact Wrestling today, TNA, even five years ago, has very little to do with Impact Wrestling today. I mean, the company did a complete about face in order to survive. They're a completely different company now than they ever were before. I don't think that their tape library is all that valuable to them, to be honest. You know, I mean, I guess they probably make some money off their off their library in terms of their network. I know they put on best of pay-per-views every now and then, but because, you know, the DVD market is non-existent in wrestling and how many subscribers can Impact's network possibly really have? I feel like the smart money would probably be in trying to sell that library to WWE and sell TNA to WWE and just keep Impact Wrestling. I think Ring of Honor might think about doing the same thing. I think the two most valuable tape libraries that WWE can acquire for their network would be early TNA and early Ring of Honor. An entire generation of WWE talent came from Ring of Honor. From CM Punk all the way up until Adam Cole. From the beginning until that point. I would say get it all and put it on the WWE network, you know? Imagine if you were able to go back and see the Generico, Kevin Steen, Hammerstein Ballroom ladder matches on the WWE Network to really cash in on that history of the athletes that you now have in WWE. Imagine if you were able to go back and watch CM Punk versus Samoa Joe. Imagine if you were able to go back and watch Nigel McGuinness versus Brian Danielson. You know how much more credibility you could add to Nigel McGuinness as a commentator, assuming he comes back to NXT, if 
You could just direct people to turn on the WWE Network and you can watch the best of Nigel McGuinness in Ring of Honor. And who knows? Maybe you could see his TNA stuff if you get that library too. Why not? Why not? I think that, that that's where WWE's focus should be in terms of expanding the network. I don't think that people will just watch other promotions, tape libraries for the sake of other promotions, tape libraries. But I think if the other promotions, tape libraries are the history of the current roster, then, then I think you've got some real value. Like Evolve, for instance, when Evolve's tape library goes up, you're going to be able to see, assuming it does, you're going to be able to see so much of Matt Riddle. The story of Matt Riddle is really going to be told. Because truth be told, I don't think he ever really achieved his potential in NXT. He was never a serious world title contender. He never even held a North American championship. The only title he ever held in NXT was the tag team championship. And even then, it was sloppy because his tag team partner was not able to be back in the country. And and he only lost the title because Thatcher turned on him. You know, I... He didn't reach his potential in NXT. Those last couple matches with Thatcher, that was a good example of what Matt Riddle is capable of. You know, I think seeing Matt Riddle first show up in those matches he had with Cassius Ono, and I think the last couple matches he had in the fighter pit and the match before that that he had with Timothy Thatcher, I think that's where you start to learn what Matt Riddle is capable of. But you didn't see that much of that in NXT. And I think that having Evolve's library and showing you those other moments of Matt Riddle are going to be really, really crucial to making Matt Riddle a star on SmackDown. Speaking of SmackDown, there were uh, a couple of uh, moments on SmackDown that I thought SmackDown overall was a very good show. I think I'm liking the direction that Raw and SmackDown are headed in. Shocker. Sam Roberts, shill, scoops Roberts, hack wrestling journalist, likes what's happening in WWE. Well, guess what? If that annoys you, You should have stopped listening to this podcast years ago. But you know, and and, and it's not like I'm just saying this now because it's what's happening. For weeks, if not months, I was saying that there needed to be less wrestling on wrestling, that there were too many matches, that this wasn't going to work in the COVID era of WWE. And now that that these TV shows are far more fast-paced, We're dealing with quicker matches. We're dealing with more angles. We're doing more promos. We're more storyline heavy on both Raw and SmackDown and NXT for that matter. Um, It's a huge, huge positive. There were two issues that I had with SmackDown. The first was Matt Riddle's promo. You know, I think that Matt Riddle's promo reeked of... Somebody who doesn't understand Matt Riddle and is assuming that because they don't, the audience won't. But the fact is that the audience does understand Matt Riddle. Even though Matt, I mean, Matt Riddle is not a usual suspect. Matt Riddle is certainly off the beaten path, okay? But people get it. Nobody, I'm sure there are some people, but nobody in number is sitting there going, I wish he would go on TV and tell me a story about why he doesn't wear shoes. 
The Matt Riddle explaining why he doesn't wear shoes promo sounded like it was written by a person who wears shoes all the time. Matt Riddle explaining why he doesn't wear shoes sounded like it was written by somebody who sleeps in their shoes. A person who wears flip-flops all the time and never wears shoes doesn't have a long-winded explanation because they're too chill. They're not sitting there writing a thesis about why they don't have shoes on. They're just chilling and not wearing shoes. Hey, man, why don't you wear shoes? I don't know, bro. It's not my thing. That's it. Matt Riddle's answer should just be, bro. Hey, man, why don't you wear shoes? That's what it should be. It should be backstage, Kayla or Renee or Charlie or Sarah or whoever's back there, Sean Mooney, Mean Gene, Josh Matthews, Kevin Kelly, whoever's back there should run up to Matt Riddle and go, Matt Riddle, first of all, welcome to SmackDown. Uh, A lot of our audience is wondering, we see you go out there, you wear flip-flops all the time, and you don't wear shoes. Why not? He should just look at him and go, bro. And just keep walking. That's it. That's Matt Riddle. I will tell you this about Matt Riddle. When Matt Riddle was first in NXT, I saw a conversation happen backstage. And I won't tell you who it was with because I don't betray the confidence of these private conversations. But somebody, Matt Riddle is Matt Riddle on and off screen. He's a great guy, by the way. He is walking around backstage. He's got a suit on. He's got a hat on. He's got flip-flops on. Somebody goes, hey, man, welcome. You know, and this is not like an official. This is this is just somebody giving him advice. And he goes, you know, you got such a good face. I don't think, you, I don't think that you should wear that hat. It hides your face and your hair. You have such a good look. And Matt Riddle goes, I know, dude, but it's kind of my thing. And that's it. That's literally what he said in response. It wasn't on TV. It wasn't part of a character. It was just Matt Riddle being Matt Riddle. And that's the Matt Riddle that should be on TV. Michael Cole should say, what's with you not wearing shoes? And Matt should just go, I don't know, bro. It's kind of my thing. I mean, all you have to do is watch Jeff Spicoli in Fast Times at Ridgemont High. No shirt, no shoes. No dice. Huh? That's it. It's so simple. Matt Riddle is Jeff Spicoli. And by the way, Jeff Spicoli, even though he was the rebel, even though he didn't do his homework, even though he missed prom because Mr. Hand was making him study history the whole time, Jeff Spicoli was a baby face. Nobody watches Fast Times at Ridgemont High and, 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 and doesn't want to be the Sean Penn character. He's the baby face of the whole movie. That's who Matt Riddle should be. Matt Riddle shouldn't even know why he doesn't wear shoes. Matt Riddle goes on instinct. He goes on feeling. He, he marches to the beat of his own drummer. But when you've got a guy like that who is able to vocalize and is able to, to conceptualize why he's not doing this stuff, you're actually going against his character. He's a burnout from high school. Hey, man, why don't you go to class? Not my thing, man. No. SmackDown's Matt Riddle would have said, well, you know, I tried to go to class once, but I felt like the real learning happened out. And already you're like, what? Are you t- what? Who would have thought you would have been so wordy?
You know, I, I, I just, that, that irked me because I, I think the Matt Riddle thing could be so fresh, could be so, you know, kind of relevant and new and young. And it's just like, don't turn him into something like you don't have to make it so that every single person understands, you know, you don't always have to cater to the lowest common denominator. My other thing about SmackDown that I didn't love was the Jeff Hardy and Sheamus angle. It's not because it's distasteful to tell you the truth, because as I've talked about on this podcast for years, that stuff does not bother me. If it doesn't bother them, if I found out that, you know, Jeff Hardy was being held against his will and forced to participate in a storyline that was exploiting his personal tragedies, even though he didn't want to, I'd be like, oh, that sucks. But if you're a performer and you want to take your real life that everybody knows about and turn it into your performance, I'm like more power to you. When I go on the radio and I talk about what's going on in my real life, I don't expect anybody to be like, oh, you know, we shouldn't be talking about this on the radio. I expect people to go like, oh, it's really interesting. This is really real. This is raw. This is what people want to know about, you know? My only issue is that it feels like the exact same storyline that happened with JBL and CM Punk several years back. You know, the let's get the guy who doesn't drink to drink story, I don't feel like it's being told in a different way. That's all. I like Sheamus and Jeff Hardy being paired up. I don't mind it getting personal. I wish more had been made. What I, I really liked the angle that they did a few weeks ago with the car wreck and all that stuff and all the all the players being involved. I wish that that had been spread out over the course of a few weeks because that was really interesting to me. That I really enjoyed. But I felt like Jeff Hardy beating up the waiter was extremely similar to the Raw segment from several years, several years back when JBL is trying to get CM Punk to drink and CM Punk holds the shot of Jack Daniels and then he throws it in JBL's face. I mean, it was kind of exactly the same thing that Jeff Hardy did to the waiter, except he dumped it over the top of his head. So I just think it's a little too similar. Also, you know, it's nitpicky, but I don't know that that was what I would put in the main event. I would probably put that, you know, midway through the show. But I also, you know, I just freshen it up a little bit. You know what I mean? But all, all in all, you know, I'm just finding stuff to complain about. I thought, I thought, I think both shows, all three shows, the TV has been uh, better in my opinion, quite a bit better actually um, with the storyline stuff. Uh, however, there is a question to be raised. There is a question on the mind of a lot of people. The last time, the last time that we saw Shayna Baszler was May 12th, the year of our Lord, 2020, May 12th. Um, she was at a match with Natty and she won. She's successful, but that was it. I guess it must've been right after money in the bank. I want to say, unless it was right before, I don't know, but you know, it was right around money in the bank. We saw Shayna Baszler leading up to WrestleMania. We saw her at WrestleMania leading up to Money in the Bank, saw her at Money in the Bank, and then that was kind of it for Shayna Baszler. So the question on everybody's mind, where is Shayna Baszler? Uh, David Meltzer was reporting that uh, uh, Vince has uh, grown weary of her, so he's taken her off TV. Obviously, that's a possibility. It's also a possibility, and this happens, that you've got certain talent that is 
predestined for the main event. That if you're not going to have them in the title picture, it only weakens them to have them at all. And so that could be what's happening with Shayna Baszler. It could just be that she's being held on the sidelines until there's a big storyline for her. Either of those th two things are equally possible or various other possibilities. But the point is, she's not on TV. And to me, it's getting pretty conspicuous. Uh, uh, so I think that the conversation came up this week because Becky Lynch, or last week, I suppose, because Becky Lynch was on the Bella's podcast and she said something to the effect of wanting wanting to lose the title to Shayna Baszler and that not happening, um, which I thought was interesting. You know, I did not mind Becky winning uh, against Shayna Baszler at WrestleMania. I think Becky winning against Shayna Baszler at WrestleMania put Becky in another new category. I think the year that Becky has had as champion uh, has been like, nothing any other woman has had in the history of WWE. Uh, but I think her keeping the title for a year, even Charlotte, who, as you know, I believe is the greatest female of all time. Uh, Charlotte has never held a title anywhere near that amount of time. The fact that Becky held the title for a full year and then kept it going after WrestleMania, I think really says something. The fact that she still, even though she's gone, never let, never lost the title. You know, that is that is when you start getting into Hogan territory. And I think that's what not losing to Shayna Baszler did for Becky Lynch. It took Becky Lynch and it made it so that she was, she went from being the most dominant champion in WWE at the time to in the conversation of all time. In the conversation of female equivalent to Hulk Hogan, 1989, you know? Um, Becky Mania running wild. So I'm actually completely okay with that decision. And who knows when the decision for what was to happen at Money in the Bank was made. You know, let's keep in mind, the Money in the Bank ladder match was taped weeks before the pay-per-view. So even if you're saying, well, if Becky made the pregnancy announcement on Raw and then left... Clearly, they didn't find out that day. Clearly, they knew at least the night before, which is true, but the match didn't actually happen the night before. The match happened like three weeks before. So, did WWE know three weeks before? Did WWE know when Asuka won the Money in the Bank ladder match that Asuka would become the women's champion, not just the Money in the Bank title holder or briefcase holder? Who knows? We can speculate all we want. We would have to ask somebody very close to find out, and I have no idea who that would be. But in hindsight, when I'm thinking about it, I would have preferred, as much as I love Asuka, Asuka is one of my favorite uh, uh, women wrestlers of all time. She's on my list with Charlotte and Bull Nakano. It's probably, this is my list. In no particular order. Charlotte, Becky, both on the list. Asuka, on the list. Bull Nakano, on the list. And then if I had to add a fifth, Bertha Faye. So, <laughs> I don't know who the fifth would be. So, I believe that Shayna Baszler being Raw Women's Champion right now would have been amazing. Because it would feel like 
the title was being held hostage and nobody could get it from her. It would feel like you had Becky who, as dominant as she was and as great as a champion as she was, the reason that she worked as a good guy is because she walked into all these matches vulnerable and she really had to fight and scratch and claw to keep that title. Shayna Baszler, on the other hand, just steamrolling over everybody. It's like, oh no, Becky's left. And now we can't get the title away from Shayna Baszler because she's doing this whole other thing. She's doing this MMA stuff that none of us know how to contend with. You wouldn't have that great moment of Asuka and Becky in the ring together. But I think that if you take that moment out, having matches where you've got the entire women's division lining up to each take a shot at Shayna Baszler, I think that would have been an amazing story to tell over the course of a year. And you've got enough women to do it. You know, you 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 could eventually get to Asuka, but even Nia Jax, you know, and 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 with with Shayna, she's so different. And clearly, that character has no friends on the roster. Clearly, you don't need to do only the good guys fight Shayna. I want to see Nia Jax versus Shayna. I want to see Nia Jax coming in, and Nia Jax isn't a good guy. Nia Jax is sitting there going like, I hurt people too, Shayna. You see what happened to Kyrie Sane? I hurt people too. Because as much as the internet was talking about Nia Jax being sloppy, the WWE completely cashed in on that and allowed it to uh, add to her heel persona, which is the right thing to do. When the internet is trashing you for something like they know, absolutely add it into the character. Absolutely. So... I would have loved to see Nia Jax versus Shayna Baszler because how is Shayna Baszler's unique offense going to be able to stop the irresistible force, Nia Jax? You know? I would love to see Shayna Baszler be the one to put Charlotte on the shelf for a little bit. I would love to see Shayna Baszler versus Natalia in a championship scenario where Natalia's like, I've got the most wins on the roster. I'm going to be the one that steps up. And the list goes on and on. And this is not something that you do once a week. This is something that you do over the course of several months. Two pay-per-views against Nia Jax. A pay-per-view against Charlotte. A pay-per-view against Natalia. Next is Asuka. Nobody's ready for Asuka. You go back to the, to the, to the history that both of those women had in NXT and the dominant title runs that they both had in NXT. And now we get to see that, you know. I just think that that that, that would have been such a compelling story. And I hope that there isn't faith lost in Shayna Baszler. I think Shayna Baszler should be on TV. And I think that that is the woman that he, and, 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 and I know you're sitting there going like, well, if Becky Lynch even comes back, it's not going to be for another year, right? So we got plenty of time to bring Shayna Baszler back and make her the person that Becky has to contend with. Which is true. However, I really think that if Shayna had an entire year of destroying the women's division, then Becky comes back. Now, now you've got a monster that Becky has to contend with. Now you've got somebody that Becky has never, never had that kind of challenge against. But when you look up and down the roster, the, the, the Raw women's division is in a very interesting spot. You've got Becky, biggest star, who's on the shelf, right? Becky's going to be on the shelf for at least a year. Asuka, women's champion. Charlotte, on the shelf for who knows how long. 
And then really, I mean, the conversation goes to Natalia and Lana. Natalia obviously starting something with the I've got the most wins and kind of cashing in on the amount of time that she's been there. You got Kyrie Sane, who rumors are that she's retiring soon. I don't know if that's true or not. You got Nia Jax, who we're, you know, we're kind of already seeing. We're seeing we're seeing that play out. And then in terms of the spotlight people, you got Zelina Vega. I mean, yeah, Zelina Vega, who she got a spotlight on her, but she's not wrestling, even though she can wrestle. Uh, I like that Raw has got the uh the women's tag team division shining. So you see Sasha and Bailey on Raw. You see Alexa and Nikki on Raw. You see the Iconics on Raw. But what's interesting to me is you've got this entire next generation crop of women on the Raw roster right now that are, for whatever reason, not being utilized at all. When you look at the women who aren't being utilized, it does make you scratch your head. Because if you add the women who are not being utilized to the women that I just said and to the women's tag team division that's featured on Raw, you've got this women's roster, the likes of which I don't even know if you've seen with men. That's how good they are. I mean, you've got Ruby Riot, who people loved the Riot Squad. There is a groundswell of support for. She's one of the best female pure wrestlers on the roster, and she's 0-11 since she returned, which is a weird use of Ruby Riot. You got Liv Morgan, who, I mean, just go on Twitter. I'm afraid to say anything bad about Liv Morgan because she's so popular. People love Liv Morgan, and whatever she was doing in those promos about finding her identity, it seemed like it was working because there's something that people love about Liv Morgan. She's, she's very relatable to people. Then you've got Shayna Baszler, who has completely disappeared off the face of the earth. Maybe she's somewhere in the upside down. I don't know where she is, but Shayna Baszler is maybe on that active roster, if Becky and Charlotte are both gone, Shayna Baszler is among the most valuable female commodities you could have in WWE right now. And then you've got somebody who was just recently called up who is as, trust me when I tell you, is as popular as anybody that you've got and who tells stories in the ring that people truly believe in and, and, and makes people believe in her. And that's Bianca Belair. Bianca Belair has been invisible since she got to Raw. She's been on main event. She showed up. She was with the Street Profits. And then she was gone. You know, once this Viking Raiders thing start, you never saw Bianca Belair again. And she's been on, on main event just doing matches, and I don't know why. I mean, there's always reasons that we're not privy to. But when you tell me that you've got a roster that is Bianca Belair, Liv Morgan, Ruby Riot, Shayna Baszler, Peyton Royce, Billy Kay, Nia Jax, Zelina Vega, Lana, Natalia, Charlotte, Asuka, Becky, that's like an all-star roster. Then you go over to SmackDown, and you've got Bailey and Sasha Banks that are now on all three shows because they're the women's tag team champions. And to me, putting the tag title on Bailey and Sasha was the smartest thing that you could have done because Bailey and S Sasha is maybe the best act that you've got on television right now. Bailey and Sasha are, are the peak 
of both of their careers right now in terms of entertainment, in terms of matches, in terms of storytelling. We have finally gotten to a place. We were at this place with Bailey and Sasha where there was almost a feeling of exhaustion because people were just waiting for the turn to happen. They knew the turn was going to happen. When is the turn happen? You keep teasing it. When? Now? We've gotten way past that. We've gotten over that hump. And you don't even want to see it. As I said, I've said, I don't remember if I said this on the Patreon podcast or I said this on this podcast, but when the Bailey Sasha turn happens, it's going to be rockers level because Bailey and Sasha are. Yeah, it's tough to argue that they're not the best act on TV right now. You put them on NXT twice and twice they've won in the ratings. Against AEW and that doesn't happen every segment. And there's a reason for that. And I'm not shocked by it. Sasha Banks versus Io Shirai had every right. It was the best match of the, of the, of the night on any show. One of the, maybe the best match of the week. There's a lot of matches every week. It was the one that I was most looking forward to, not just because I knew the match was going to be great, but because I knew the story was going to be great because I love watching Io Shirai perform and because Sasha Banks and Bayley are the best act on television right now. And then you go down the list on SmackDown You've got Lacey Evans, which she's coming into her own. Dana Brooke and Tamina, you know. And then Mandy Rose and Sonya Deville. Sonya Deville is knocking it out of the park with her promos. And Mandy Rose and, and Otis is, I mean, talk about some of the greatest acts on TV right now. Man, if you told me, coming up this week, we're going to have a segment where Sasha and Bailey talk, and we're going to have a segment where Mandy and Otis talk. I'm watching that show. Because those are two amazing acts. You got Mickey James and Ember Moon on the disabled list. Then, then, on the people you just don't see on TV much anymore, Carmella, who to me is one of the most entertaining people on TV. You know, I, I, I she's such a good heel. The reason that she was so, she got Ellsworth over, not the other way around. And you cannot convince me otherwise. It was not El- yet. Carmella did not have Ellsworth dust sprinkled on her. Carmella was sprinkling Carmella dust on Ellsworth. I uh, The Carmella-Ellsworth combination was amazing, but that's because Carmella played it so well. And then you got Naomi not being used. That one is boggling my mind. Why not? Naomi, one of the best athletes, one of the most popular wrestlers, one of the persons who's got consistently great matches, she could do great storylines. I don't know. Over on NXT, the roster is ridiculous. And on NXT, they're kind of using everybody, right? Io Shirai, Rhea Ripley, Mia Yim, Tegan Knox, Dakota Kai, Candice LeRae, Raquel Gonzalez, Shotzi Blackheart, Zaya Lee on TV regularly. And then in the bullpen, you've got Aaliyah, Chelsea Green, Jessamine Duke, Marina Shafir, Casey Catanzaro, Caden Carter. And then, you know, we've seen the vignettes. Mercedes Martinez on the way. So, I mean, there's so many layers to this women's division. But I think that something that WWE has never quite pulled off, except for, you know, in small instances here and there, is they don't have multiple female storylines going on at the same time. And I just read you these rosters. You've got these insanely... Deep rosters. Keep in perspective. You're sitting there going like, Sam, it's 12 people. Insanely deep, that's a bit of a stretch. When you're talking about a women's division, having 12 people that you can count on on each roster, 
That's deeper than we've ever seen before. There is no reason why you can't have on Raw with as many people as you've got. There's no reason why you can't be telling a story about the tag team championship with the Iconics. You can't be telling a story about Asuka and who is, who's ever challenging her. And you also can't be telling a story about Liv Morgan and Ruby Riot. You know, I mean, if I'm there right now, I'm putting Liv Morgan and Bianca Belair on a team together. Because I feel like those two, they're just very relatable. People love them. I'm putting them on a team together. They're going to help each other out. I don't know. The landscape is tough for us. You know, and they just have each other's backs. Eventually, Liv Morgan turns on Bianca Belair to join back with Ruby Riot. Ruby Riot and Liv Morgan start picking on Bianca Belair until, you know, Bianca Belair recruits whoever she recruits to be on her side. She could pull somebody up. Bring in Shotzi Blackheart to team alongside Bianca Belair. Whoever you want to team alongside Bianca Belair. But, I mean, right there. You telling me that for a month, two months, Liv Morgan and Bianca Belair as, as, as friends wouldn't be great? And then people wouldn't tune in to watch a grudge match between Liv Morgan and Bianca Belair? Just what if you just did that? What if you had a pay-per-view match that was not for a title, that was Bianca Belair and Liv Morgan finally settling the score? It'd be great. It'd be great. And we finally answer the question. Like, I I want a storyline answer. I don't want, I want to look at all these people you got. And I want, I want to hear stories about them. I want to see their personalities. I don't want Shayna Baszler to just reappear one week. I want to know where she's been. I want the answer. You don't have the answers, Sway. Well, I want to get the answers, you know? I want Shayna Baszler to disrupt something. Maybe make Shayna, maybe Shayna Baszler is the hacker on SmackDown. I don't know. <laughs> but, you know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't mind if Shayna Baszler showed up on SmackDown just as a swerve. Why not? You know, have, have Shayna Baszler interrupt something going on between Lacey Evans and Mandy Rose or something like that. I don't know. I, I, I would start a storyline. And have Shayna Baszler interrupted. Just something that Shayna Baszler has nothing to do with. Just have her come out and disrupt. Because that's why Shayna Baszler should be around. Shayna Baszler should be around to disrupt. And she is. I mean, she's the ultimate disruptor. She was so... I mean, her, what made her NXT title run so unique was that every opponent that she had People wanted her to lose, but nobody believed she was going to. When people got mad at me for saying there's no way Bianca Belair is going to beat Shayna Baszler, shouldn't even be a takeover match, they got mad at me because they wanted Bianca Belair to win. But nobody actually thought Bianca Belair was going to win. Same thing with Mia Yim. When Mia Yim versus Shayna Baszler was a takeover match, people wanted Mia Yim to win. But nobody believed that Mia Yim was going to win. And the list goes on and on and on, you know, to the point that when Rhea Ripley finally showed up, it was almost like, wait a minute, that's why Rhea Ripley felt so different. Because you finally started to see this character where you're like, 
huh, do you think she might actually be able to beat Shayna Baszler? That's really rare. There is nobody. As I look down this list of performers, there's nobody on Raw and nobody on SmackDown that can pull off that vibe. Even Nia Jax. Nia Jax should be the one person who you think can, but she can't pull off that vibe. Nia Jax comes across as difficult to beat, but not unbeatable. Shayna Baszler can come off as unbeatable. And that, that is a rare quality. And that's a quality that I think you have to cash in on. That's a quality because not only is it a quality that builds a great character, when you have a character that can be unbeatable, you can sit there and and be captivated by them. I mean, there are you do have to you do run this risk of the audience getting sick of it, right? I'm tired of seeing this person that nobody can beat. And that's true. You have to know, you know, the timing has to be as, in a, a certain way. And maybe that's what's going on here. But not every character can pull off unbeatable. You know, people who don't understand wrestling think that because it's scripted, you can just take any person and make them win all the time. And then they're unbeatable. But that's not true. We know when we're looking at something and it doesn't feel real. And we know when we're looking at something and it feels very real. And that's the way it feels with Shayna Baszler. You watch her and you're like, I, I, I don't think she's beatable. After she beat Kyrie Sane to begin her second NXT women's title reign, that was when people stopped believing that she could be beat. That character, I'm saying. That's a character that she could easily bring to Raw. It was, I mean, I think I said it on the bump. It was a foregone conclusion that she was going to win the Elimination Chamber. It was a foregone conclusion that she was going to win Money in the Bank, and then she didn't. I think that, 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 that that's the quality that Shayna needs to cash in on. I think we need to find out exactly where Shayna was, exactly why she was gone. Maybe she was training. Maybe she didn't feel like the competition was up to standard. But then she heard on the internet that she wasn't allowed on TV. Then she started hearing rumblings that she was being kept off TV. So she's here now. She's here to answer to those criticisms. And then spend a year with nobody being able to beat her. You know, people will believe it. Not only do you get to build this character that's the ultimate villain because she's so difficult to beat, but eventually, eventually, if it is timed perfectly, when you have a character like that, you get to give somebody the opportunity to be the ultimate hero. When you can build a villain that people truly believe is unbeatable, you can eventually find somebody that people want to win so badly that you get to have that moment. You get to build the hero who does the impossible. And once they do the impossible, there's nothing that can stop them. Except losing the NXT Championship to Charlotte at WrestleMania. That could stop them in a hurry. But we just won't do that again, right? We just won't do it again. Hey, that's my thoughts. Hopefully we see Shayna Baszler again very, very soon. Looking forward to a strong week of professional wrestling this week. 
Thank you, everybody. We'll see you next week right here on Not Sam Wrestling. Don't forget, if you don't want to wait an entire week for another episode of Not Sam Wrestling, head over to patreon.com slash Not Sam Wrestling right now. Become a Not Sam show for less than a dollar a week. You'll have access to a bonus episode every single Thursday. Another Not Sam Wrestling. We'll see you then. Goodbye, everybody. Thanks for listening. Follow at Not Sam on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. Rate, review, and subscribe. This has been Not Sam Wrestling. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.